Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Julie Martella, founder of Navigating Widowhood, where I specialize in providing life support to widowed men and women as they answer the question, now what? Are you ready to do this? Let's go. Hey friends, I'm glad you're here. Today, we are going to talk about how to avoid the trap of self-pity. And the reason we're going to talk about this is because it's the day or two after Christmas when this drops, and many of you may be stuck in a little bit of a self-pity loop. And I want to tell you, it's okay. However, it's not going to help you in the new year. So I want you to consider this as your pep talk to get you in to the new year. All right. Number one, let's start with this. Let's start with an acknowledgement, my friends. Losing your spouse or partner is a painful experience, right? One of the most painful experiences we will ever have to endure. And you might find you might find yourself stuck in what I call a perpetual pity party, the PPP. So this usually doesn't happen like in the first six months, but what you might notice is you're in year two or you're in year three or you're in year one and you're still saying some things on repeat like a broken record. And the problem is those things aren't helping you. So while it is entirely natural to struggle with and to occasionally fall into the trap of self-pity. When left unaddressed, self-pity can hinder your healing process and it can impede your personal growth. It keeps you stuck in quicksand. So today we're going to explore how self-pity can arise from self-limiting beliefs And guess what? As always, I'm going to give you some action strategies to help you overcome it, okay? So, what is a self-limiting belief? A self-limiting belief is a belief that you hold or a thought pattern that you hold about yourself, about your abilities, about your circumstances, Hmm, right? It's a belief that you hold which constrains your potential and it hinders your personal growth and it limits your potential and your possible achievements because it keeps you stuck. These beliefs are often negative and they're self-depreciating and they love to cause you to doubt yourself and your ability to overcome challenges and reach your goals. So when you look at the language, so today we're looking at what what do we believe, okay? So that comes down to our language. So your first challenge is you need to identify when something is a self-limiting belief. And then the second part is to find a counter strategy, a new thought, or a way to challenge the old thought. So now I'm going to say in an ideal world, this would be done with like a grief therapist or counselor or coach or mentor. But I just want to, today, this is just a conversation about really about the stories that we tell ourselves and how they get us stuck. 
And then the second part of the story is how do we get ourselves unstuck, okay? So some examples of self-limiting beliefs. Oh, this is a great one. And by the way, I have probably struggled with every single one of these. I'm gonna be honest. I'm at, remember, I'm at year six and a half at this point. And so I've had a lot of time to, to muddle through the waters. Number one, I'll always be alone, right? That one hurts. That one hurts close and it hits close to the heart. One of the most common self-limiting beliefs that widows may have is the fear of being alone. The fear of perpetual loneliness. You may believe very truly and with all of your heart that you will never find love again. You will never find companionship and you possibly may never find happiness again. Can you feel the sadness if that was a true statement? If that was a true belief? Okay. Well, if you want to sit in that, it will remain your belief system. But remember, I said the second part, the first part to identify the words and the stories that we're telling ourselves. The second part is to find a better story. So your counter strategy to this story of I'm going to be by myself forever, I'll ne- right? I'll always be alone. Your counter strategy is to challenge the belief by acknowledging that it is possible to find new sources of companionship and joy, okay? Join support groups, engage in social activities, go to the farmer's market, go to a house of worship if that's your thing, go to the VFW, join the choir, take a class, right? Form new connections. And understand that while you're late, husband, wife, or partner is is irreplaceable, it is still possible to find meaningful relationships in the future. I had a chat with a woman one time and I just adored her and I asked her, or she told me, I'm sorry, I didn't ask her. She told me this story. She said, someone asked me if uh, Bob was the love of my life and, and I told her, I don't know you. I'm not dead yet. Wow, right? Oh, and this woman's in her late 70s. What an amazing perspective. We don't know what's going to happen, okay? So when we tell ourselves a story, I'll always be alone. Maybe you will and maybe you won't. But you have the opportunity to create meaningful relationships in the future. Am I going to guarantee there's going to be another romantic relationship? No, because I don't know that. But what I do know is that you have the power to create meaningful relationships, to create connections so that you are not alone. All right, that's so that's number one. Number two, another self-limiting belief. I can't handle this on my own. Or my flavor of this was, I can't do this. So you may be feeling overwhelmed by the responsibilities and the challenges that come with being single again. I was overwhelmed with the challenges of 
being single again and being a single mother and having a farm to take care of and, and having injuries and having animals. Like it's a lot. These feelings, this feeling of being overwhelmed by the responsibilities can lead to self-pity if you hold the belief that you are incapable of managing this life without your spouse or partner. Okay, did you did you hear that? The self being overwhelmed is one thing. Having that feeling of overwhelm transition itself or transform itself into self-pity is when you truly have a core belief that says, I'm incapable of managing life without my spouse. Okay, that's heavy, my friends. And I know that many of you struggle with this feeling. So what do you do? Well, your counter strategy, the new story that I'm offering to you is to look for evidence that you are handling this on your own. Okay, so what you're doing, you are seeking support from family, from friends, from support groups. You're reaching out to people. You're saying, hey, I need help, right? So my poor, my poor accountant, you know, I, I come into him, my, my financial advisor, my husband paid all the bills. Like I didn't know, I had no idea what was going on. I didn't write the checks. I didn't, I didn't do it. I did, I, I raised the kids and he paid the bills. Like we, it was very traditional, very, a very distinct division in labor. So I had to reach out for help and I had to tell um, my accountant, I don't know what this means. I don't know how to do this. And he would say things like, well, you're going to have to do QuickBooks. I don't know how to do this. I need help, right? So instead I would get stuck in, I can't do this. And then, but the reality was you can and you will, So when you employ the counter strategy of, I can in fact handle this life, but I'm going to need some support, it changes the story. Reach out for assistance. Seek professional help if you can find it and if it's it's something that's a resource that's available to you, okay? Okay. Look to your friends. If you have, you know, look to your car man. If you have car problems, I had a guy that helped me with the livestock. I, you know, different people became my experts, and so I was able to have this amazing tribe of men that, when I had a problem, I had people that I could call. So that, in fact, now was I completely handling it on my own? No, I was being supported by these wonderful men. But with their support, I, in fact, was handling it. So that's what we want to do, my friends. We want to take the story, the doomsday story, and we want to change it out for something that is also true. Okay? Number three. (gasps) My life is over. Anyone felt like that? You may feel that your life has come to an end with the loss of your spouse or partner. And my goodness, this belief is a fast track to a sense of hopelessness and then self-pity. Right? 
thinking that, especially for the young widows, you know, I'm 27 and my, my, my wife died. My life is over. That's a death sentence for you. That's like a long prison sentence that you are putting yourself in because that's the story that you're telling yourself. But remember, the problem, the, the problem and the challenge with belief is that they are what we really, we really believe. Like when you strip away all the words and you strip away the layers, what's left is this core belief. So maybe your core belief is my life is over. And I want to offer you another story to counteract that. I want to challenge this belief by having you set new goals new challenges, and create new aspirations for your life. Every single time you do something new, you are putting evidence into the world that your life actually is not over. So I want you to explore new interests. I want you to find a new hobby. Maybe you're looking for a new career opportunity. Your life has changed. This is true, but it doesn't mean it's over. It means it's different. That's, that's absolutely true, but different and over are two different things. So I want you to see if you can find purpose and meaning in your journey of self-discovery. All right. Number four. We only go, we only have five, by the way. I gave you the top five. Number four, I don't deserve happiness. Okay. I struggled with this. I struggled with this guilt that if I laughed and experienced joy, I was betraying my husband, right? Like he doesn't get to be here to laugh. So why should I? How many of you have done the same thing? Widowhood can sometimes lead to feelings of guilt and survivor's guilt, and it can make you feel as if happiness is either no longer attainable or no longer deserved, right? This is a tough one, my friends. This one, this one, we are cutting off. We are cutting off our possibility to experience happiness, to experience joy. And as humans, these are very vital, elemental emotions that we need for our mental health. So this one's kind of a double whammy because not only will it create feelings of self-pity, but it will really drop you into depression super fast. So what do you do when you think this thought? What do you do when you hold this belief of, I really don't deserve happiness ever again? Well... Another story you could tell yourself or the counter strategy would be to practice self-compassion and forgiveness. Maybe you have to forgive yourself that you got to live and your partner had to die. A lot of people have that struggle. Maybe you have to forgive yourself that you get to laugh and they don't. You get to experience joy and they don't. Okay? Maybe you need to have some self-compassion and give yourself permission to live. 
And really, not just permission to live, but I want you to think about if your person is watching over you from whatever it is, regardless, like different religious beliefs have different beliefs, okay? So regardless of your religious affiliation, if there's this feeling that your your husband or your wife could be watching over you or still with you in a spiritual realm, do you think they want to see you sad and miserable and just beating yourself up all the time? Or do they want to see you having the courage to build a life and to experience love because you were so loved by them? That they are giving you permission to live and you need to take it. They are giving you permission to experience happiness and to experience joy. So if you need that permission, give it to yourself. Understand that it's okay to experience happiness and joy even after loss. Your late spouse or partner would likely want you to find happiness again. Okay? And number five, I am defined by my loss. All right? You may sometimes feel that your identity is solely defined by your status as a widow, which can lead, guess what, to feelings of self-pity. To counter this, right? Like, I'm just a widow. I'm just a widow. I'm just a widow. Okay? It's not, you know, the reality is, yes, you are a widow or a widower. Like, that's the reality. And even if you remarry, you're still a widow or a widower who remarried. So, but the thing is, you are more than just a widow. You are so much more. So to counter this self-limiting belief, I want you to explore your identity beyond your role as a widowed person. So you're going to have to go looking. You're going to go on a little treasure hunt. What are your unique qualities and interests? What are your strengths? I want you to embrace your individuality and I want you to lean in for the potential for personal growth. Grief is hard work, my friends. I know this. And I also know that it's okay to experience self-pity from time to time. It's okay to have a pity party and I'm giving you permission to have one. What's not okay is to get stuck in the quicksand of pity because we stayed there too long right? You can move beyond self-pity. And when you are able to get yourself out of the quicksand and you're able to employ those counter strategies and find a new story or a new belief, you will run towards a life filled with hope and resilience and personal growth. And remember, if you need me, I'm always here to help. That's a wrap on today's episode. I hope that you are leaving with a pocket full of strategies today. If you enjoyed it, be sure to either subscribe, share it with a friend, or leave a review. Until next time, my friends.